Hey everybody, welcome back to the Empire State Conservatives Podcast. It's me, your host, Evan, here with a very special guest. You might know him as the Pew Pew Jew, Yehuda Raymer. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, man, absolutely. It's good to be here. All right, guys. So before we get started, just a reminder, if you can, to please like, share, subscribe, all that stuff to help us please break these shadow bans. We have been getting killed on social media for, I don't know, about three years now. So your support always helps and your sharing always helps. And if you can, please visit our website at EmpireStateConservatives.com. We have links to all of our shows and merchandise there. So every dollar helps us fight back against the insane leftist tyranny of Governor Hochul here in New York. But we are going to take a break from New York today and talk to the Pew Pew Jew about what he does. And uh, I'm going to let you introduce yourself to the folks at home because no one knows you better than you. Yeah, so I'm uh, Yehuda, the Pew Pew Jew. Um, are, are you, just question, just, just TL for a second. Are we yeah. li- are we like live on YouTube, like where people are going to be talking, like ans- asking questions? Well, they can answer. They can ask questions. Yes. Okay, so let me let me before we go any further. Um, I always get fun questions, and I, I love following on YouTube because the questions that I get are hilarious. So let me let me. What is it? It's Empire State Conservatives. Let me say, yeah, I, I I should have asked this before when we were talking. And eh, no but, worries. Uh, yeah, you know, very, I we're think, very laid back here. Yeah, that's good. That's good because I think it's just it's a lot of fun, um, especially like, like we talked about, like being an Orthodox Jew, um, being Orthodox Jew in the firearms industry. It's always fun. Uh, oh, there we go. Uh, it's always fun because people don't know how to react sometimes so uh we'll see let's see let's see what happens anyways yes yeah, so i'm yehuda reamer the pew pew jew um i'm from los angeles originally been in texas for god seven and a half years now and i write children's books on firearm safety firearms education history of the 2a for kids um you know, all, all gear for ages six to ten or Alec Baldwin. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just something that I find I'm very passionate about. And yeah, that's and I have my own brand, the Pew Pew Jew. So. So what led you to kind of get into writing, especially like children's books? On the Second Amendment, because a lot of people are writing, you know, informational books. And, you know, I, I got big into audiobooks during uh, all the covid lockdowns that we suffered here in New York. But children's books, once I heard it, I was like, it's interesting. I was like, but it makes perfect sense. So from my perspective, it's kind of like you need to get them while they're young, right? That's what the left likes to do with gun control, with all these other issues. They like to get them while they're young. But what inspired you to get into children's book writing? So I bought my first gun. It was a Glock 19, um, really the only thing on the California roster when I lived in Los Angeles. And I didn't tell my parents. I mean, I was married. I had two kids. I was, you know, living in my in a little apartment with my wife. And I didn't tell my parents because I didn't need that. I mean, I know you said you're Jewish, so you know, we we don't we don't need that. You you know what that Jewish mother's guilt is. So what do you need um, a gun for? It's so dangerous. You're gonna hurt yourself. Thank God my mom doesn't have that accent. But if you're from New York, I'm gonna guess <laughs> your mom does. But no, um, you know, my my uh I didn't tell my parents because I just didn't need them uh harassing me. Um, and then one night we were by my parents' house for dinner with my kids and my wife and my younger brother was like, hey, man, when are we going to go shoot your Glock? And 
my my parents, I mean, like, like, right, like all younger brothers always like screw you over. Um, they it was literally a a Chernobyl disaster, right? I mean, we're talking about a full nuclear meltdown. My parents didn't talk to me for days, almost weeks, actually. Um, call, and when they did, it was always about you, like, oh, you're, you know, we, we can't believe that you would own firearms. It's so irresponsible. I can't believe, but you know, going on and on and on. And it kind of hit me. I was like, okay, you know, look, I don't think it's irresponsible because I do believe a gun is just a tool. However, if I'm going to have a firearm in the house, I need to educate my kids. So that led me, of course, to the NRA, um, which at the time, this was about 12 years ago. So at the time, they still were good. Um, and uh, Still actually doing things. Still actually doing things. And um, exactly. And uh, I found the Eddie Eagle program, which is great. However, I realized, I'm like, wait, there's so much more to gun safety than what to do if you find a gun somewhere it's not supposed to be. So from there, I went to the next best place for research, and I went to Amazon, and I was looking for a book that I can sit down and read to my kids. And I'm not talking about a book that that will, uh, you know, for adults on how to talk to children, but strictly a book about gun safety for children and i i was truly blown away that there was nothing on the market nothing and i was like "Ooh, hey i like writing i've always been fascinated with creative writing um i am a loser i used to write my own poetry um so you know i i've always enjoyed creative writing so i was like okay i'm gonna do it so i, I was at a um and please do not uh judge me or act like me but i was at temple one night um i think it was like a tuesday wednesday night and in between you know afternoon and evening prayers the rabbi was speaking for like 15 minutes and i did not like this rabbi so i like pulled out my phone i'm like oh let me write my book right now so like while the rabbi's speaking like i have my it's like my iphone 5 i pull up a notepad and i'm like <laughs> sitting there like this and like and like in the 15 minute span that this rabbi was speaking i wrote the whole book and it sounded like crap no question about that but i had a i have a very good buddy of mine who is still in the lapd and i'm like hey man i decided i'm writing a children's book on gun safety here's the manuscript what do you think and i mean he read it and he's like dude your book is absolute crap but <laughs> but but he said but there's so much potential here I'm going to help you, uh, you know, um, guide you. And and I love this guy. I mean, he's, he's my age, basically, but uh, maybe a couple years older. But it was, it was more along the lines of, like, here's your constructive criticism. Um, he really taught me the proper lingo in the, in the firearms world, verbiage. You know, uh, what's what on a firearm? I mean, I, I, I own the gun, but I, you know, I'll be honest. I hadn't done my... my um, I, I didn't do my my proper amount of education before I bought it. Uh, I went to the range and, you know, I, I knew don't point the gun at anybody. You always keep your finger off the trigger type of thing. But but I had a lot to learn and he really guided me. Um, I sent it to another buddy of mine who is just a, a brilliant guy. And he did all of the punctuation and grammar, uh, basically edited it for me. And... Uh, I mean, it took, it, it was, 
I'm making it sound so simple, right? I mean, it took me. It took yeah, me I over, just wrote this book and just gave it to these like, guys. And, they and like, and like that, I'm a million. I'm a millionaire overnight with a kid's book. Um, no, but you know, it took me five years to get published, and and in those five years, um, I had a huge book deal with a massive publishing house. I had an agent. The eight, the the book, the the publishing house canceled the book deal, and then my agent dropped me all in the same day. Um, and I was, I mean, I was, I was miserable. I was, I was beyond, beyond uh, depressed because like this is something that I really wanted. Considering, I've, like I said, I've always enjoyed writing. I'm like, hell, you know, I'm never actually. When I started writing, I was like, yeah, like I'm ever really going to become a published author. Um, but that's really why I wrote it. I wrote it to, to educate my children, but I also wrote it to kind of shut my parents up and, and like, like, leave me alone. Like it, and it turned in from, it turned it from being fascinated with firearms and just being a, a casual gun owner, if you will, to really making this a passion and a job. So that's really why I wrote it and why I specifically got into firearms books for children is because no one else in the I mean we're talking about no one in the industry was doing it. And even even now, there's a few authors here or there. Um, I mean the two biggest names is uh, Julie Golub came out with a book um, a bunch of months after mine, but our books are vastly different. And now Dana Lash just came out with a book and I'm just gonna say, even though they'll never admit it, even though they never told me this night, you never even had a conversation with both of them about this, but I'm just going to say I inspired them. I'll um, agree. I'll, I'll take, I'll take credit for Dana Lash writing a children's book. Um, if she ever, if she ever sees this interview, so I, I, I know Dana and I'm friends with her. If she ever sees this interview, she'd probably kick my ass and, and I'm, ter- <laughs> I'm, ter- I'm terrified of Dana. So, uh, you know, um, I'll probably get an earful. If she, if she ever watches it, but, um, no, you know, it, it's, uh, as, as much as it pains me to see other people writing books on gun safety and, and two-way education because it's like, no, I want to be the monopoly. I want to be the only one, right? But like, no, let, let's be honest. As much as I feel that way sometimes, it's so important to get as much information out there for kids in, in so many different dynamics because the more pro-gun education we have out there for children, the more lives will be saved and the more – we will be able to keep our country, uh, you know, on the proper path. No, and absolutely. And growing up in a Jewish household on Long Island, uh, guns were oh, God. essentially, yeah, yeah. There were there were no guns. But I was always fascinated with history. And I would always watch history movies and all these things with my stepdad and with my grandfather. My grandfather served in World War II in the Philippines. And we'd always watch, like, the little movies and stuff. So I always had this, like, fascination with history. And if you're a fan of history... You can't help but, you know, admire the the evolution of the firearm over the, even just the last hundred years. It's played such a big part in basically all of world history, especially since its inception, but even right. just since World War II. And you see it's this, ama- it's this amazing thing. And when you're a kid and guns are like, you know, they're, they're bad, right? Like, especially in New York, especially Long Island, especially with the Jewish family. And it's kind of that, like... I, do, I want to know more about this. And I was very curious and I always loved learning and I always wanted to learn more about it. And I never really got to learn about guns until I worked in law enforcement. And I worked in law enforcement for a very short period of time, but I had very, very good training and right. I was able to learn a lot of good stuff. And 
being out of law enforcement, I was always seeking more of that training. And for adults, there's plenty of places to find training, right? Um, I know people from Onsite Firearms who are amazing. There are plenty of people writing books for adults. Um, we talked about um, Varg Freeborn. His books are absolutely amazing. Yep. It's more of a mentor. Some of it's mentality. Some of it's how to seek out training. It, it's There's so much stuff in terms of self-defense, in terms of firearms for adults. But there really is nothing out there for kids. Right. And had I had that information when I was a child, I'm not saying that I would have turned out differently, but I might have chosen different career paths. I might have chosen to work in the firearms industry. I mean, you know, there's other things that are open to kids. And when they don't understand what's out there, one, they don't understand what guns are. So they become afraid of them. Right. That's the that's the big thing that especially the left loves to use. Right. It's, it's a big, scary gun. You got to be careful. It's it's oh, they, these things are designed. They're just going to hurt you. Stay away from them at all costs, as opposed to what you we used to do in this country, which was educate children on firearms usage, educate them on proper safety and right. teach them how to use it responsibly. Yep. Where it's not this thing where it's this big, bad gun. And it's like you have keep, to understand keep, this. Keep, keep, go, keep, go, keep going. I'm just going to yeah. grab a tissue. But I have my ear pods in, so just keep on talking. I can All talk right. from a distance. But like when I, I went to sleep, like most Jewish boys from Long Island, I went to sleep boy camp when I was younger. And I went in 1999, and they had gotten rid of riflery because of Columbine. And it caused this big kind of uh, this this uh, downhill effect, right, of Columbine. Oh, my God, we have to make sure that kids aren't around guns at all. As opposed to teaching kids about proper gun safety, about teaching kids about the sanctity of life and how dangerous these things actually are when used incorrectly. And instead of addressing the problems of mental health and all these other things, it became let's villainize guns. And I think it's done a huge disservice to kids as opposed to keeping them safer. No, a hundred percent true. Look, um, I have a 12 year old son who loves to go shooting with me and not that I, I, I'm not going to admit that I do this, but hypothetically, this could happen in my household where, you know, I have I have my my uh, EDC on me and we come home after a long day. And and I mean, it's holstered and, and you know, it's secure. And I'll turn to my 12 year old. I'm like, hey, bud, go put this upstairs in the safe. And he walks with hypothetically, allegedly, he will walk upstairs and put the gun away safely. And, you know, I, I have full and complete faith in him of doing the right thing because he has been taught from a very young age all the rules of gun safety and he takes it very seriously as well um just yesterday or two days ago i have no idea i don't even know what day is today i'm i'm so lost on everything <laughs> today's the, today is thursday oh my god it's thursday oh god. i know everything kind of blends together you know i'm i'm at home all day besides doing my work you know like uh running my brand stuff like that I have a five-month-old at home with me all day, so. So you are on like just no sleep. Yeah, I'm just I I I just I literally lose tracks of days, and um, I know this week on Monday, this past I mean this past week, this week we're in right now. It was like Monday evening, and I'm like, oh my gosh, tomorrow's Wednesday. I hump day already, and my wife is like, um, should I tell you that today's Monday? I'm like, today's only Monday. She's like, yeah. I'm like son of a bitch <laughs> and i'm just like oh my god no and it was it was brutal so like i don't yeah um 
this was just a couple days ago. You know, I, I'm teaching my son now to strip down all the guns and then properly clean them. And, and it's great. It's great. I think it's important. They, they need to know. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and that's what we were told um, when I was in the academy. The guy told us, he goes, listen, I have kids. The first thing I did when they were old enough was I took, I unloaded them all, make sure they were open and safe, put them all out on the bed, goes, here, touch them, and then we're going to talk about it. Touch them all you want. Touch all the guns. doesn't matter. And it takes that mystique away, right? Because Absolutely. all these things you hear about kids accidentally shooting each other or accidentally shooting themselves, it's, oh, dad has a gun in the closet, but we're not allowed to touch it. Oh, I'm going to go touch it now because they're not home. Right. It, when you take that away and you they understand that it's just another tool. It's just, you know, it's it's something to be respected and to be learned about, but it's not this mysteriously magical thing. You take away that thing where they want to hide it and then yeah. hand, uh, handle it improperly. So But not but it's it's, it's not it's not only that. It's not only that, right? Like like I have I have a lot of friends and and I get these questions all the time. Um I get questions from these from my friends saying like, "Hey, you know, um, we got a we got a gun, we got a small safe. We where do you think is the best place to put it? I'm like, wherever you think. They're like, well, we don't want the kids to know about it. I'm like, why? Well, because then they're going to be interested in touching it. I'm like, no, they're not. If you educate them, no, they won't. Uh, I my kid, I have a five year old who is literally Satan spawn, um, and and the kid is just an evil, evil little genius, and. Um, he, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love this kid more. I mean, he, he obviously. I know, I know you're not supposed to have favorites, um, but uh, you know, he, this kid is just like everything that comes out of his mouth is either brilliantly funny or just like brilliantly evil. Like this kid is just I, my wife and I can't keep up with him, and like he knows where my guns are. He knows where my safes are. I mean, all my guns are locked up in the safes, but. He knows exactly where everything is. And if he ever wants to see a gun, all he has to do is like, Daddy, can I see your new AR? Daddy, can I see your 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 gun that you carry every day? Absolutely. I take it out. I, I uh, clear it, show him that it's clear. And then I proceed to hand him, you know, my five-year-old a uh, firearm. And he sees it. He 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 knows the finger, you know, to keep his finger off the trigger. Um, I mean, the, be the, the best is he he's hilarious because, like, we – we're a very big Nerf gun family. So, like, he's like, look, Daddy, look, my finger's off the trigger. I'm like, good job, buddy. Then he turns around and shoots his older brother in the head with it. I'm like, <laughs> like, all right, well, the Nerf guns are made for that. So, you know, but uh, it, it's great. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, but no, but making that distinction, like, listen, understand, like, here, you want to see it? You can see it. It's not something that you have to hide and then you have to right. be, like, doing this on your own. It's we'll do this together so you understand what's going on. Exactly. And that, again, that that's probably the best way to take away the mystique by by getting them involved. If I ever clean my uh, my guns, my kids love snaking the barrels. They love it. They they like just putting it in and out and 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 making sure it's clean. Then it's really cute because in Texas, you know, when it when it's like a nice day outside when I'm cleaning the guns, like I don't even know if they really know what they're doing. They just are copying me. But like they'll take the barrel and like hold it up to the light to make sure there's no little, you know, residual like crap inside. And, and uh, it's really cute to see, but they, they're understanding that they're, un that they're learning. And uh, you know, my, even I have a 10 year old daughter who has her own Davy cricket rifle and God, she loves shooting. 
and she's 10 years old, a little 10-year-old Jewish girl, right? They're like, like my, my daughter is like a hell of a lot more religious than I am, right? <laughs> like, like she's only 10. And I mean, I you know, like the modesty. I, I don't know how, how what your background is in terms of your uh, Jewish education, but, you know, the word sneut, right? Like modesty and, and so like, my, my daughter will only wear sleeves below her elbows and skirts below her knees. She will not wear pants or tank tops or anything like that. And like to see this cute little blonde hair, blue eyed Jewish girl at the range plugging away with a black and pink gun is just freaking fantastic. I mean, that's beautiful. That's Hitler's worst nightmare, man. Oh, hell yeah, it is. <laughs> you kidding me? So. So there again, we talked about this a little bit before with uh, your family growing up, my family growing up, and there's this huge push among the American Jewish population where guns are very taboo, which for me, looking back and being a student of history seems insane, because if yeah. you look at, we don't even have to go that far back. I mean, we could go all the way back to, you know, the Maccabees and the story of Hanukkah, but we just go back to World War II, and right. it's like, well, how do you think they rounded up? my grandfather's entire family and put them into boxcars right? because they couldn't fight back. So like, why would you allow the government to then make you helpless? It just, for me, it doesn't make sense. What do you think leads to this like weird push among American Jews to be not, it's not only just leftism, it's being so anti-firearm. Well, it all does stem from, from liberal Jews, right? So what happens is, um, and, and this is like an entire podcast on itself. So I'll try to, um, condense it as quick as possible so you have to go call it 150 years back in history call it to the the mid uh mid to late 1800s where you know you had jews living in little shtetls right little pockets in cities and you had you know pogroms and you had the cossacks and you had jews who that if if <coughs> excuse me it's a lot of whiskey i just drank um <laughs> Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, so, so you had, you know, like if, if the Cossacks would attack and the Jew would kill a Cossack, well, then they would come back and, and, you know, uh, uh, a hundredfold, right. They'd kill 10 Jews for every one Cossack. So Jews eventually just said like, okay, it is what it is. We're just going to keep our heads down, pray for the best. And that's it. And they refused to fight back. And then, then let's, let's, uh, you know, cross the ocean. You now have American Jewry in the early 1900s living in america and at that time jews would vote for a republican governor but they would vote for a democratic mayor right they they, they were going back and forth they, they weren't all democrat uh you you go back across the pond and you know now you have the holocaust happening the same time the holocaust and the build-up of world war ii in the 30s you have FDR passing the New Deal and the Second New Deal, right? So you have yeah. all these welfare programs coming into into effect. Following the Holocaust, you have this mass immigration of the surviving Jews to America. And what happens is they're coming with nothing, literally nothing. They're not coming, you know, whatever clothes they have, that's about it. They get to America and all of a sudden it's like, oh, you don't have money, go to this welfare, welfare program. We'll take care of you. We'll take care of you. Now, all the welfare all came from the Democrats. Right. So over time, they become so entrenched 
with the welfare that all they would do is start voting for Democrat. And that's really the, the I guess, the, the linchpin, if you will, that was pulled to, you know, get the ball rolling and why Jews vote Democrat. And of course, in terms of the firearm part, you have the liberal mindset, you have the democratic mindset of trying to take away our, our gun rights. But at the same time, you have all these Jews who just went through the Holocaust. They don't want to have anything to do with firearms. Why would they? Firearms right, you don't want to be perceived as dangerous. You want to be perceived as a threat, right. which is what you were perceived of in Germany, as opposed but, but, to going, but, hey, if I'm armed, then I can protect myself. Right, but it's it's more along the lines of, it's more along the lines of like, okay, like, I, I, I'm sure, like, most guys, right, like, You've had one too many drinks one time, right? And and like no, never. I've never, never, right? Um, right. Says the guy who just finished the whole list. If my mom um, hears this. I've never had too much to drink ever in my life. Never I don't right? drink alcohol. I definitely need to just finish a beer. Man, the chef, it's life. Um, so uh, no, so right, so now now you have you know you have let's say you have like one crazy bender one night, right? And like. The next day, you're like, dude, I am never drinking a thing in my life again. Right? So it's the same thing, right? Like, now, yes, I'm not comparing getting trashed to the Holocaust. However, my point is, is that you have these Jews who just witnessed what the gun could do to them. They want to have nothing to do with firearms. They don't want to see another firearm for the rest of their life. Between that and between all of the the welfare and the New Deal and coming over and the, that democratic control that they got, you know, held over them, you know, that's what happened. Now, this is this is not this is not a blanket statement. What I'm about to say, but it happens to be most reformed and conservative Jews. And when I say conservative, I don't mean politically. I mean religiously conservative versus orthodox. So most reform and conservative Jews, in a lot of cases, tend to be more liberal, tend to be more anti-gun. Orthodox Jews tend to be more pro-gun and pro-Second Amendment. But even within the Orthodox Judaism, you do have Jews who are anti-gun. But a majority of them are either, we're pro-2A, we understand what it's there, but we just don't want to have anything to do with guns. You have your, oh, we're, we're gun owners, but we're not we don't talk about it we're closet gun owners because we don't want to become no we we still want to have friends come over on shabbat and have you know our kids have play dates and then you have the few who are you know out there training and 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 stuff like that and then you have the ridiculously few and i'm talking about like five people in all of america like who are outwardly calling in the you know calling for jews to defend the second amendment and get involved um and, and and get out there so um I, i'm gonna introduce you to a really good buddy of mine he goes by the tactical rabbi he's actually in pennsylvania he is a firearms instructor a chabad rabbi this guy is crazy too so i'll, I'll you'll get him on the show too and oh he absolutely can talk, he, oh he can he can talk more on the tactical side where i do a lot more of the 2a advocacy this guy has more certifications than you know I don't know, but someone out there. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's you explained it very very clearly, and in my head it always just didn't make any sense because I'm a very I'm a very objective person, right? I'm a very results oriented person. If I see a problem, how do we fix that problem right. in a rational way? Okay, 
Jews were defenseless during the Holocaust. How do we fix that? By not being defenseless. Right. It's kind of like that old saying, like, oh, the sheep got rid of their teeth because they thought they saw the wolf had teeth too. And it's just like it doesn't make the wolf less make dangerous sense. if you get rid of your teeth. So disarming yourself is not going to make anyone else less dangerous. No, it's not. And and I actually talk about this extensively because you know, I got into a lot of hot water. Um, you know, early was it earlier this year or yeah, earlier this year when Israel and the Palestinians had their back and forth for the three, four weeks, whatever it was. And you see all these Jews posting, you know, blue squares on their social media or changing their Facebook icons to I stand against anti-Semitism. So I wrote this entire scathing article calling out all these people. I'm like, first off, posting a blue square means nothing. Well, no, we're bringing awareness. That's the worst. I hate when people right, say that. Right? So, so I'm like, we're bringing awareness. To, to who? To who? Right. So, right. So I'm like, to who? They're like, well, to the people of Israel, we want them to know that we're thinking of them. I'm like, first off, trust me, they can care less. Not they can't care less. I'm sorry, nothing. They do not care that you're posting a blue square. I said, you want to help Israel? I said, for the millions of people, millions of Jews across the world who changed, you know, posted a dumb blue square. How about you donate $18 to Friends of the IDF or Magain Davida Dome? or Hatzalah United, you could have raised $20, $30 million in a matter of a week. And that would have been so much more helpful to Israel. And they would have appreciated that a hell of a lot more than the blue square. And then I went after the people who who changed their icons to I stand against anti-Semitism. And, oh man, I had people (laughs) like... pissed off at me like well we're just bringing awareness we have people that didn't even know anti-semitism existed i'm like well then you got to get hang out with different people because it's been here for three thousand years it ain't going anywhere well we're just bringing awareness i'm like really good you brought awareness now what are you doing to combat anti-semitism we're bringing awareness i'm like good so you're just making yourself feel good you're pan you're you know you're pandering and you're you're you're, uh, uh virtue signaling right you're patting yourself on the back Saying like, oh, look at me. I'm doing, doing something. I'm like, no, you're not. You're not doing a damn thing. I said, look, anti-Semitism is here to stay, right? Okay, no matter no matter what you do, no matter how many people you get fired, no, how, no matter how many times you get a, a company to, to you know, how, how many times you go after Ben and Jerry's to get rid of the whole BDS crap, right? No matter what you do, anti-Semitism is here to stay, right? We have the, the phrase in, in, in Judaism, right? Asaph Soneus Yaakov. Right, the the Asa of I don't know how you say his name, but the brother of Jacob, right, uh, will always hate Jacob, right? Asa will hate Jacob. We've had that for three thousand years. It's not going anywhere. The only way, the only way to curb, and I'm using the word curb and not stop. The only way to curb anti-Semitism is to arm yourself. And what that means is, I know you're in New York. If you can't, if you, well, no, because this is, this is people ask this, right? Like if I look at a gun, they might lock me up. Exactly. If you can't carry a gun, carry a knife. If you can't carry a knife, learn martial arts. Too expensive? Buy a Louisville slugger, right? Do something. The only way to curb it is to make them more afraid of us. Make them more afraid of attacking us, thinking that they will get hit back. That is the only way you will curb anti-Semitism. It is the only way that Jews will have a fighting chance in this country. 
or until the Messiah comes. That's it. That that's it. There there is posting a blue square, changing your icon does absolutely nothing except make yourself feel better about yourself. But it does nothing. But that's that liberal mindset, right? It's I'm it's it's literally that meme. It's I'm helping. Right, exactly. You're not helping. You're not doing anything. And this nope. idea that you, that people are perfectible, right? We can eliminate hate if we just care enough. No, you can't. It's nope. never going to happen. Human beings are inherently flawed. We our cultures are so different and diverse. It's never going to happen where we all just hold hands and sing kumbaya. It yeah. doesn't work. The only thing that you can do, again, is to try to reach out to people who are open-minded so that you don't have just constant anti-Semitism, racism, whatever type of hate we're talking about. But to this idea that you're going to end anti-Semitism or end racism, it, it's just, it's nonsense. It's do your best as an individual, but do something if you actually care. Don't just right. sit there and complain and don't say I'm raising awareness by posting a blue square, posting a black square, whatever the square of the week is. It's nonsense. It does absolutely nothing. nothing. And like you said, it's all people who feel useless about the about what's going on, they feel bad about what's going on, and they want to be helping, and they're not helping. They're not doing anything. Right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let's get into because I really wanted to have an in-depth discussion on <laughs> this amazing book, Bullet Points. Bullet Points: Reasons Why America Should Embrace Common Sense Gun Laws. This thing is absolutely incredible. I brought it with me to work, and I work at a special education school. And everybody <laughs> loved it. They thought it was absolutely – I'm not even being facetious. They loved it. I had the gym teacher by school running around showing this to people. I mean, and some glowing endorsements from Ben Shapiro, uh, Antonio Okafor. Like, unbelievable. What gave you – first of all, where did you do your research to get all the information <laughs> that's in this book? Uh, I don't know. If you look If you look at the bibliography, there's – Is you, there a you bibliography? <laughs> Did you not know that there was a bibliography? I actually put a bibliography in the end. Oh, God. Yeah, I did all my research. It's right there in the bibliography. I think it's page like Oh, I found two, it. Right, here's the bibliography. 229 or something like that. <laughs> so the bibliography consists of, for those of you not watching, I'm just going to read it out loud for people. The bibliography in its entirety consists of the Second Amendment, about bearing arms was ratified in 1791, U.S. Constitution Amendment 2. And the Second Amendment about not being infringed, U.S. Constitution Amendment 2. That, again, like Ben Shapiro said, comprehensive. comprehensive. I mean... Yeah, uh, I'm very proud of this book. So so I have another book right now that I'm about to go into the um, – into the illustration phase, another kid's book, not, not doing, not, not dealing with guns, but dealing about, you know, patriotism in America. Um, and, and that one I'm hoping to be out in around June, but, uh, <laughs> this book kind of took precedence because I thought about it and, you know, Michael, I, I guess at this point, like the cat's out of the bag, right? Like everyone knows what this book is to the most part, right? So it's a 220-page book of blank pages. Yeah. Uh, there, there are no reasons why America should embrace common-sense gun law. And uh, honestly, I don't even remember how the idea popped in my head. I mean, I know Michael Knowles has a book, you know, Reasons to Vote for Democrats, which is the, the exact same idea 
which that's where I, you know I'll, I'll give Michael Knowles full credit uh, that you know his, his book inspired mine, um, especially because you know we always hear people say in the gun industry, right? Like every gun law is infringement. So um, and, and you know we also know that the word the term common sense gun law is really code word for for gun control and and gun confiscation and you know getting rid of all all the things that we love and hold dear with the second amendment so i think it was like one day i i I have this one buddy i don't know if you follow him on instagram you you'll see me talk about him constantly uh getting triggered usa thank you okay so this guy is he is one of my closest friends in the entire world i mean i talked to this guy whether it's by phone or text message, I talk to, to this guy, every, and I'm not even lying, every single day. For the last like two, three years, maybe four years even, every single day of my life, I've talked to this guy. Um, and he is a brilliant, brilliant, ha- has a brilliant eye for graphic design and art. Um, but he also is incredibly witty and he comes out with memes that are just way above people's heads sometimes and i gotta tell him like people are stupid so you gotta like dumb 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 down your memes um and but this guy is just brilliant and i called him up one day i'm like hey what do you think of this idea for a book and he's like he goes dude that book should take you two weeks to put together not even i'm like i know I just have to come up with the chapter titles. <laughs> and that was, that was literally, I think, the hardest part um, of, of, of writing the book or should I say compiling the book was coming up with chapter titles because you, you really wanted to hit the, the you, know, I, you know, chapter one is AR-15s and other assault weapons. Well, we, we know an AR-15 is not an assault weapon, right? We know... Armalite rifle, right? So, so I, I had to kind of like make it sound like I'm actually trying to write a book on on gun control, pro gun control, by using you know the the all the keywords that the left uses. And once I got that down, um, I called my designer. I'm like, dude, uh, I need a cover for a book. Um, I and yeah, I think this whole book cost me like a thousand dollars to make. And and that's and that that's more because, like I think like seven hundred dollars of that was, so that I can buy copies and sell off my website, like sign copies off my website. Um, besides that, I think like everything. Else, I mean, the book costs nothing to make. Um, I've I've made my money numerous times over again, um, just because, you know. The idea, okay, so so there was, man. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to talk about a book that has nothing written in it except chapter titles. I mean, it's difficult. Right, right. I think my bibliography has more than the rest of the book combined in terms of word count. Um, But no, look, the real reason why I wrote this book is I've been in the firearms industry now for just about five years. January will be five years. And in my five years, um, thank God I've grown to the point where I have a recognizable brand. Um, I have a recognizable name um, and people know who I am. I mean, I was just, 
I, I just found out today I was actually nominated for a Gundy today. Nice. Which was like, which was like so cool. Um, like I, I was like, yeah, I'm like a Gundy. Like, first off, I'll never win it because like I don't have that following. Like, I'm going against people that have like two million followers, and it's like, but even still, like I've I've built a reputation with my Second Amendment advocacy and and my my humor and the way I do things that you know I've, I've become recognizable. But in that five years, I've noticed that the firearms industry and people in the gun world are the biggest bunch of freaking snowflakes yep. on the face of the on the face the of the planet. I mean, you're talking about the biggest snowflakes, you know, thin skinned. You, you say one wrong thing, you and I, I really think it it stems from everyone thinks that they're an alpha male in our industry and and they're so egotistical that if you even remotely say something it's like oh well you can't do that like it's like dude like ch chill you know like yeah i can have a differences of opinion you know especially you got your fud guys like look i carry a glock 19 with me or a glock 43x every single day i post jokes about glock all day long right like i get it some people hate glocks and that's fine i get why they hate it it works well for me. I will never carry a 1911 because I don't have an AARP card, okay? Like, it's that simple. So it, it's it's literally like people are so thin-skinned and people have no sense of humor in the firearms world. So I was like, you know what? Let's write a book or, like I said, let, let's put together a book that not only will troll the hell out of the left – but absolutely troll the right. Troll them to no end. So that's really where bullet points came to be. And I mean, I, I know like Brandon Herrera, right? Like Brandon's a good buddy of mine. And I called him up like, yo, dude, listen, this is my new idea for a book. Uh, so so at this point, so, so bullet points is my eighth book. So again, I already have a reputation of being an author. I have seven books. So I called Brandon. I'm like, hey, man, this is my new book idea. Do you want to write a review for me? And he's like, oh, absolutely. He goes, oh, I'm all over this, right? We're talking about the AK guy, right? Brandon Herrera. When my book came out, I sent all the people who are on the cover of the book or on, you know, wrote reviews. They all got signed copies thanking them. Brandon did a whole thing on his Instagram account about my book. He sent me still shots, like, you know, screen grabs, whatever, mm -hmm. of people going after him calling him a red coat because he's promoting a book on common sense gun law. And Brent's like, dude, this is the exact, I, I see, this is the exact reason why you wrote the book. Because people in the firearms industry, as well as the other side, as well as the, they are so lazy. If you just go to Amazon or my website, it literally, in the description of the book, <laughs> says this book is mostly blank for those that cannot take a joke. Literally, that's what it says on Amazon and my website. But that's but like the social media effect, right? It's everyone so yes. quick to jump on everybody without Ex knowing any information. Exactly. So I literally have trolled. So there's – okay. So then also I don't know if you're familiar with Mom at Arms, which is one of the best accounts on Twitter as well as Instagram to follow. Mm -hmm. uh, Mom – dash at dash arms um the owner of that is a really close friend of mine named jill and 
that she single-handedly is taking on Shannon Watts and Monster Man action. And it's a beautiful thing to watch her every day just destroy Shannon Watts. Anyways, I called her up. I'm like, Jill, you're a sick and twisted individual like me. <laughs> so this is my new book that's coming out. I want to know if you want to start building it up. Like calling me out, getting people pissed off at me. She's like, oh, this is going to be so fun. So if you look at her Twitter account and Instagram account leading up to the release of my book, which just uh, bullet points came out this past June. If you look at her account, she was writing things like, oh, the Pew Pew Jew has claimed to be pro 2A for so long. But we just got we just got wind that he's coming with a new book on common sense gun law. We have our eyes on him. We're going to call him out if this is that. Uh, I mean, she went like brutal, right? Like, like. Like holding my feet to the fire, and every time she posted something, people were just like freaking out to the point where I had people in the firearms industry, friends of mine, call me and be like, "Dude, what the hell is going on?" <laughs> and one of the best one, one, jokes ever in the history of the world. Yeah, I mean, literally, people were calling me up and like, "Dude, we 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 see mom at arms. We saw you post the cover of your new book. What is going on? What what are you?" thinking are you are you trying to torpedo your career like what are you doing and then i tell them straight out look i said i will tell you what i'm doing but you got to swear that you can't say anything yet until the book is released they're like fine and i would tell them what the book is and they're like holy crap this is the greatest trick anyone has ever pulled on the firearms industry they're like we have your back completely right i'm talking about like like the editor of Pew Pew Tactical, who's edited a bunch of my books, right? So, like, I had to call her up and tell her what was going on. Uh, uh, the truth about guns, Cam Edwards bearing arms. I literally had to call all these people up and say, guys, look, you're going to see a lot of crap about me over the next month because I built it up for a month. I said, but this is this is what I'm doing and this is why I'm doing it. And all of them were like, dude, this is freaking awesome. We have your back completely we will help push it we will build it up saying that you're a horrible person and then we will correct everything like everyone wanted to be part of this th this whole build up and and it came out like i still i still have the, the best is there are people in the industry or i, I can't say in the industry just in the gun world right who have who have bought the book saying like hey man you know we we were gonna give your book a chance and we just bought a, a blank book They're like dude we get what you're doing, but it's not even funny. And I'm like, yeah, you, like, yeah, you, you just don't have a sense of humor, and you just got played royally, and and you just can't hack it, right? But then I have some people were like, hey, listen, we have been following you since your first book. We saw that you came out with this book, and it was pissed us off a little bit, but we decided to support you. We bought the book, and you got us. You got us bad, and it was awesome, and we love it. And we bought books for our our our, our anti-gun sister-in-law and my dad, who's pro-gun. Like, you had some people who are just like, like, so like, yeah, you got us. Like, great practical joke. You trolled the entire right, you know, the entire gun industry as well as trolled the entire left. And and that's really where the book came out. Is that like, it's, I I was. You guys got to laugh. You guys just, like, 
we need to we need to take ourselves less serious within the industry right not i'm not saying don't drop your guard with you know all the ones that are coming after our 2a but within the industry it's like guys just have a good time like we can accomplish so much more i got like 30 40 big names in the industry to all come together to help promote this book because they saw the hilarity in it like if we can do that more if we can get people to stop being such alpha male egotistical you know or not just alpha male alpha female whatever it is you want to call it but like to get everyone to like take a chill pill and just say you know what this is funny this is a great troll let's do it but so many people are doing that all over the place it's like again it's a social media effect it's it's there's not enough to share yeah, right give, it's give, Oh, you're going to bed? Oh, um, is that the first one? No, no, hold on. Sorry, my five-year-old. There, there you go, bud. Have a kiss tonight. I love you. That's Satan's oh, that's phone sweet. right there. <laughs> hey, 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 Satan. Close the door. Thanks. Yeah, that was my five-year-old. That was Satan's spawn. But it's that social media effect, right? It's it's that same lie about like wealth, right? There's not enough to go around. There's not enough followers to go around. So it's if you know if, if someone's supporting me, but some people are supporting you now, we have to become. It needs to become a whole issue. And we saw yeah. it with people going after Larry Elder, and I'm like, really going to go after Larry Elder? Like Larry Elder's been in the conservative movement since like before I was born. People, like, right? It just needs to be more about unity on our side because the left does such a good job of bringing all their side together, right? Whether it's through hate or lies or whatever it is. They're about unifying against us. And we are, again, most people on the right are more individualistic. And I understand that I'm very much individualistic. I hate being part of large groups. But there are certain things where we need to be like, I'm going to support you, support me, and let's work together towards this common goal. No, look, like I said earlier, right? Like Julie Golub and Dana Lash have both have both written children's books on firearms education. I have promoted both those books. Like – I'm not in a competition with them. They are doing good work. Why would I not promote that? Does that mean I might lose some sales? Yeah, it does. But at the end of the day, are you in the are, are you in the firearms world? Are you in the Second Amendment world because you're here to make a buck? Or are you here because you're defending the two way? Right. So that's so that's what people book, need to think about. Right. So this book right here, this is, this is my book, 105 Explosive Gun Jokes. Okay. I wrote this book. Yeah, exactly. I wrote a joke book. I wrote that book because kind of the, the precursor to bullet points. I wrote it because people don't take themselves seriously. And, and um, I was I was working at a gun store and they were showcasing the book. And this older gentleman walks in and literally stands there for 30 minutes and reads every joke in the book. And not knowing I was the author, I turned to him like, hey, what do you think of the book? He goes... I don't like it. I'm like, okay, can I ask why? He goes, some jokes I understood, some jokes I didn't understand, and some were just not funny. He goes, why would anyone write a book like this? And I'm like, because of people like you. Because you don't have a sense of humor, and that's why, right? I will tell you, a question that I'm asked all the time is, what's my favorite gun company? And when I tell people my answer, they are shocked out of their mind. 
But then when I explain my reason, they're like, okay, that actually makes perfect sense. My favorite gun manufacturer out there today, hands down, is High Point. Right? Exactly. You're laughing. Like, <laughs> like right? And, and I will tell you why. If you make fun of Glock or HK or Smith & Wesson or you, you name, right, FN, you name the brand. They get their panties in a bunch and get pissed off. High Point knows the guns they make, knows the reason why people buy those guns, and they own it. They absolutely own it. They, you can make as much fun of them as you want, but they are, there is a reason why High Point is still in business. Because people who are going fishing and want a $150 handgun to put in their tackle box in case the boat goes over, that's why High Point's there. For people that just want a firearm because they can't afford an HK or an FN. That's which, is why most, High Point... which is most people. Right. But I'm saying High Point understands that. High Point knows what they make and they own it. And you can come after them as much as you want. That they don't even flinch, and they they have a great sense of humor. One one of my jokes in the book is why do why does the Navy love high points? The answer is because they double as anchors, right? <laughs> right, right. So it's a great it's it's a funny joke. Yeah. At the last shot show two years ago, right? I guess twenty twenty. I literally went to the high point booth, opened the joke book. Took a picture of the joke with the high point sign in the background. I posted it on my Instagram account. Not only did high point like it, not only did they start following me and repost my post, they came after me and started joking around about me. And I'm like, you know what? Boom. That is why high point is my favorite gun manufacturer because they have a sense of humor. They don't let things bother them. They do their thing, and they know what their clientele is, and they own it. And you tell me one other company in the firearms industry that does that. No, I couldn't tell you. But I think right? that's a good that's a spot up against the box. So I think ending with a talk about High Point is a great spot to end for a little Jewish gun segment <laughs> here. But uh, why don't you tell people where they can find your website so they can support you and all your social media so they can uh, then follow you. Yeah, and so for sure. Um, really, it's super simple. Across the board, the Pew Pew Jew. It's the Pew Pew Jew .com. Twitter is the Pew Pew Jew. Instagram is the Pew Pew Jew. Um, if you're looking for my books on Amazon because you're too cheap to get signed copies, uh, you do have to type in my real name, Yehuda Reamer, on Amazon. It's not under the Pew Pew Jew. But uh, besides that, just type in the Pew Pew Jew, and um, I'm I'm kind of everywhere, right? I'm 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 yeah, I'm everywhere. Yeah. So uh, my co-host Gabe can take a lesson to you in keeping it simple, having one tag for everything, and not thirty different handles. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, that is our show. If you can, please support Yehuda in all that he does. It is very important, especially for our 2A movement that's going on. It is constantly under attack. Once again, always support him, everyone else who is working, Gun um, Firearms Policy Coalition, everybody who works in order to secure our rights 
for the Second Amendment. Once that's gone, the country is essentially done, and we will be in deep, deep crap, guys. But if you can, like, share, subscribe this episode, share this podcast with someone who is like-minded, or even someone who is open-minded, or even someone who hates guns or hates conservatives, and you just want to piss them off, please share that with them so they can, you know, write me an angry email or really angry comments like they usually do. And make sure you visit our website, EmpireStateConservatives.com. Find us on any podcast platform, Empire State Conservatives Podcast, on Facebook at Empire State Conservatives, on YouTube for the time being until they decide to kick us off at Empire State Conservatives Podcast. And for that, everybody, stay safe. Don't let fear take your freedom. Thank you.